What's going on, guys? Talk is okay. Lo Thursday takedown. Here's what we got on schedule today. We got a preview of tonight's melee in Dallas. The Cowboys and the Saints. Could the Cowboys make a further case to win the division, or will the Saints clinch up their playoff spot right then and early? Mike checks on to discuss, and we'll even debate how can the Cowboys pull it off. They've done it before to shot the Saints. Do, does the streak end tonight? Also, we have championship preview in college football. All the big time games, primarily the big three, the Big 12, the Red River rivalry rematch, the SEC national championship rematch, and the Big 10 between first timer Northwestern and Ohio State. We'll discuss that, a little NBA talk, in addition to a little college B ball with some of the latest games in the ACC. Big 10 Challenge. Stay tuned for that and the latest headlines. Enjoy the pod, everybody. And we also, besides Mike, have two other guests today. One of my best friends from elementary school, Michael Matloff, and his and my friend Eric also chat in on the show. So it's going to be a roundtable discussion for Takedown Thursday. Let's go. Happy Thursday, my Okaloholics. I hope you all are enjoying the nice time of year that it is because it's Takedown Thursday and most importantly, it's championship season. November is about to end and we're about to enter December where it's big time games where everything matters and especially on Talk is Okalo, everything matters with what we discuss because everything is going from zero to a hundred real quick. Even for our show today, because besides my returning guest, Mike, I found two new guests that I'm going to have on today so that we can turn the dial up even more and discuss everything from NBA to college basketball to NFL tonight. And I can't wait to discuss. So before I let Mike back on, I first have to introduce my two new guests for the first time ever. Roundtable discussion. I'm really excited for it. Two of my good friends from my old elementary school, Central Park, that I can't wait to discuss. First off, my boy, Michael Matloff, coming from Texas back on here. So, Mike, thank you so much for taking your time out to come on, bro. Hey, man, no problem. Uh, it's a pleasure. Um, I'm, I'm back now from the Air Force. and I leave for Japan in two and a half weeks. And I told you while I was in Texas, I want to do this, and we're doing this. And, and that's what it's all about. I love topics about sports, and uh, there's no better person to do it but you, man. So let's do this. No problem, Mike. Good luck in Japan as well. And then my boy, Eric Aguilar, hopefully uh, maybe he could be the quarterback for Butch Davis soon. He's been working out hard at FIU soon. Uh, Eric, welcome on, Bran. How are you feeling today? Super excited to be here, Okalo. Uh, can't wait to talk about this brand new news and dial it up. Um, and uh, hopefully you guys get to see me soon next year on uh, FIU campus. All right. So those are my two new guests. And then, of course, I don't mean to save him best for last, but it, it will be more or less he'll have the mic more today for his game between the Cowboys and the Saints Thursday night. So, ladies and gentlemen, last but not least, Mike. Mike, anything you want to say to the Okaloholics before we get started? Just got one word. Go Cowboys. You already heard it here first, folks. So we have the pleasantries out of the way. It's time to get down to business. And before we discuss 
Um, of course, the Week 12 Sunday NFL games, the preview of tonight. Let's first talk about some of the big headlines going around in sports. So, in case you've been sleeping under a rock, there has been a big social media battle between a former NFL player and a current sensation. Baker Mayfield, Browns quarterback, got a huge win Sunday against the Cincinnati Bengals and is nominated first off. Congratulations to him being Offensive Rookie of the Month for the month of November, having nine touchdowns to one interception and leading the Browns to back-to-back wins, something that hasn't been seen in Cleveland in a long, long time. For some reason now has the Browns in somewhat of a playoff contention. But some of the biggest things was, of course, Hugh Jackson. And, of course, as I predicted on uh, my Twitter, that he would go back to the Bengals head coach. Baker refused to shake his hand and has been talking a lot of smack. ESPN analyst Damian Woody has told Baker Mayfield to grow up, and it has caused a social media battle between the two. Michael, first off for you, um, what are your overall thoughts on the Baker Mayfield situation do you agree with Damian Woody's comments or what do you think that there's maybe more to Baker Mayfield with this whole Hugh Jackson thing that maybe we didn't know? I mean, I just think there's things that we don't know. You know what I mean? Like if, if you're on a football team or you're on a basketball team, there's things that should stay as, at a team. You know what I mean? It shouldn't be out in the public and, and people shouldn't have to try to read into something. It should have stayed, you know what I mean? Between the team and the player. So my personal opinion is, you know, at the end of the day, Baker Mayfield is entitled to his opinion. If he felt like his coach, who Jackson wasn't being a good coach, or he felt like he wasn't, you know, helping the team win, um, you know, he, he should be able to express that. Do I personally think he should express that in, out into the public and make it a social media, you know, frenzy when at the end of the day, it's just about football. It's all about business. No, I do not. I don't, I don't believe in that. I think he should have kept it between himself. However, Baker Mayfield is a rookie. It's called a rookie mistake for a reason. So. Eric, you've been a little bit flabbergasted and a little puzzled with Mike's comments. Anything you wanted to reverberate back on that? Um, I think it just doesn't matter. Baker Mayfield's completely in the right because he's a Brown at the end of the day, and that's what he's trying to encompass in uh, his whole behavior. Whether or not he was rude to the other coach, whether or not uh, there's like polarization between the two parties, it really does not matter because he's a Brown, and whatever whatever he does to make a difference and, and win and uh, – uh, bring some fire to the to the team. Uh, whatever goes, goes. Mike, last but not least, you, man. Um, anything? I kind of agree with both sides. It, it is, you know, he's a Cleveland Brown. He's a Bengals. So, I mean, it's history because, you know, I mean, because he drafted him. So, maybe, you know, you want to show a little respect. But at the end of the day, it's competition. It's sports. You guys have been all right on your points, but, you know, for Damian Woody to say what he said on first take, you know, with Baker Mayfield needing to grow up, you guys have said it all right. I think, yes, it adds flavor to the rivalry. Yes, it's something. But at the same time, you still got to give the man respect. This is football. okay? and even prior to the show that we were talking uh, with Mike, remember, I'm not sure if you guys remember Baker Mayfield, of course, his prolific college story. Remember, he went from Texas Tech to OU. So he went from one Big 12 rival to another. So, And for him to criticize Hugh Jackson for going over after, remember, he didn't choose to leave the Cleveland Browns. He got fired. He got fired. And he just wanted to continue to coach. He just happened to be one of Marvin Lewis's uh, best tenured assistants. And he wanted a job. He got a job. So what? what is it the fact? He didn't choose to go there. It was an opportunity that you wanted and... 
you know, he took it. I, I, I think Baker shouldn't be critical of it. You know, I have to say this, and I think we can all be in a consensus. It, it is what it is, but Baker Mayfield just needs to – if he wants to make this even more, you got to win more football games. So that's at the justice end point of it for me if this conversation needs to go any further. Any any other comments, boys, you want to add to to the, to this situation? Um, no, I think we all covered it. But, you know, at the end of the day, me personally, I'm always going to stick with it's just football. It just got it's got to stay on the field, you know what I'm saying? Like that's just my opinion. But yeah. Um, basically, I mean, I agree with you that like he switched, so I guess he's being hypocritical. But I don't think he believes the comments he's saying or believes like I don't think he's trying to be directly disrespectful to Hugh Jackson. I think he's literally just trying to make the best decision for the football team because any uh, any sense of being soft, any sense of of weakness, I guess, um, or friendship to the to the other side is just not good uh it's, it's not good for morale so i think it's a, a good step in the right direction even though it's not the best thing to do and especially as it's you know, like you said it's a rivalry game you know they play each other twice so it's just more fire to the fire to the game man. real quickly before we talk about our next thing how does it look now for when these two teams face off again in week 16 this time in cleveland what could maybe we expect from browns fans to hugh jackson with with the whole thing that went down with this first meeting, Michael, uh, I think he's going to get a pretty crappy <laughs> reception. I mean, um, but you know, I guess we'll see. We'll find out. And at the end of the day, like we all said, Baker Mayfield and the uh, Cleveland Browns need to bring their their A game to that game. They need to prove a point for not only themselves but their fans, and of course, Hugh Jackson. So, uh, this is football, not tennis. It's not a gentleman's sport. So I hope he gets eggs or something. Ooh, true, but you said week 16. Week 16 doesn't matter if you ain't got nothing to play for. I think next year it would be something. Well, remember, this is still the battle by the, the Ohio River, so, you know, it, it's still something. And remember, remember, this is a head coach who had his team 336-1, and one, so definitely not some good feelings going on. Let's continue on uh, with a big headline that broke earlier today, and it involves the Chicago Bears. So Mitchell Jabisky has been dealing with a shoulder injury. He's going to miss Sunday's game against the Giants, and Chase Daniel for the second consecutive week will be called upon to try and help out uh, the Bears get another win and continue their lead in the NFC North. Eric, I want to start off with you. Trubisky out, Chase Daniel steps in. Is this a panic game? Do you feel, even though it's the New York Giants, they're a three and eight ball club. You know, this is still a backup quarterback coming in. You know, he eked out a Thanksgiving win. Is it still possible the Bears still get the dub with number four as the starter? I don't think it is possible. I think it's it's going to happen. Uh, I might be biased here because Chase Daniels is a six foot quarterback, and I'm a six foot quarterback. Um, but he studied under Drew Brees. He's more than. Uh, capable of, do, of having a win. And um, at the end of the day, the Bears have a really good record, and the Giants are horrible. I mean, they, they eked out against the Lions, but at, like it's only because Matthew Stafford's a good fourth-quarter comeback quarterback, but the team is bad. So I think uh, he's a solid backup, and I think it's going to happen for him. And he can even mix like a, a week or two more, and the Bears will be fine. They're still going to be a playoff contention no matter what. Mike, what are your thoughts? I know you being the fan of a uh, NFC East rival, I know you would love to see it, but um, does this still, do you think, with Eric's comments, you agree with it as well? 
I want to say maybe Chase Daniel kind of struggles, but he got a good defense to back him up. And, I mean, you're going against a terrible Giants offense. So, I mean, I guess it'll be a defensive scoring game. Should be should be good for the Bears. Michael, what about you? Uh, I'm good. I agree. I agree. I'm just saying, look, Chase Daniel can step in. He can he can do some things. But, you know, the, the way that he looked on Thanksgiving, you know, it, it just makes me question it. And look, the defense, I think, is solid enough to help out. I mean, they have pick six, Eddie Jackson on the other side to help him out. So you do have that in Khalil Mack. But I just have two words for you that makes me worry if the Bears can stop this dude. And his name is Saquon Barkley. If not, I think, hands down, rookie of the year. How do you guys think potentially um, he helps out um, with this game? How do you think Saquon plays against likely the candidate for the defensive player of the year? How about you, Mike? I think Sick I think Saquon gonna do what he does, like he always do every game, but it just not, doesn't help the team. Oh, I, I was gonna say that uh Saquon's a, a great running back, but uh, it's not like he's the the top scorer in the NFL. So what I, like what he said, the more it doesn't matter what he does, he's still gonna this team's still gonna lose. One player doesn't uh make or break the team. Uh the whole team needs to be in par. And the Giants is here. Uh, it's just not. It's not. It hasn't been a coincidence. Every game, um, there's just things that are they're shaky about their team. And uh, Barkley might be the, you know, what I'm saying the rookie of the year, and he might help them on the offensive end, but he can't help on the defensive end. So at the end of the day, um, it doesn't matter. So. All right. So it looks like everybody can put their hands down. And I'm I it will attest to it as well. But I think just just saying, guys, it's not going to be a blowout win. It's going to be a close knitted game because remember, it was like that for. Uh, Chase Daniel um, Thursday against the Bears. I mean, he has more time to prepare, so um, there's um, chances to do it. And last but not least, a big headline in the NBA. So um, one of the first big trades to go down involves Kyle Korver, former Cavs forward, who's going back to his roots being a Utah Jazz. The Jazz have struggled mightily uh, so far this season and have not lived up to expectations within their own division. And currently right now, they sit 13th in the Western Conference. They got a good win against the Brooklyn Nets, which does kind of help out. And they, their schedule looks favorable. Does Kyle Korver help out the, the Jazz offense and try to at least get back the spark that they've needed um, to, to kickstart their season? Michael? Um, absolutely. I mean, if you if you think about it, you're adding a, an amazing three-point shooter. You know, he's been an amazing three-point shooter his whole career. So, um, you know, you kind of can put Kyle Kovar on, on, in my opinion, any team. And at the end of the day, he'll help he'll help you out. He spaces the floor. He's a knockdown three-point shooter. Um, so I think he'll absolutely help out the Utah Jazz. It'll be kind of interesting to see how um, he matches up with Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, but we'll see how that goes. It uh, Time will tell. But, yeah, when you add a shooter like Kyle Kovar, you definitely – become a better team already. Maybe not defensively, but for sure offensively. So it'll be very cool to see. And uh, Utah is a very intriguing team because I believe that um, they'll get their their act right. They'll, they'll get it together. Uh, Donovan Mitchell got hurt, you know what I mean, early in the year. That, that messes up, you know, the flow. So they'll be good. And you add Kyle Culver, um, shooting is going to be very, very good. So. Uh, yeah, just piggybacking off of what he said, um, basically it's as a major offensive upgrade – and uh, the NBA is continually being uh, more offensively oriented. Um, it's not a defensive league anymore, uh, primarily because of like new rules and everything. But uh, really, it's going to be a, a major upgrade. And at the end of the day, it's going to help the team. And 
uh, he's the type of player to mix in with any type of chemistry, so I think it'll be just fine. Yeah, I agree with everybody else. And I say the Jazz, this is a big upgrade for the Jazz. Maybe the record start looking pretty good now. Yep, I, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do um, come time against um, their next matchup, which is the, the Hornets on Friday, and then uh, coming back. I'm really excited for Kyle, especially because, th- remember, this is where his career really began with the Utah Jazz. So for him to come home, um, I think Jazz fans are just as ecstatic. Maybe they can dust off the old white and blue jerseys like when we used to play EA, um, NBA Live 08 when we were kids and, uh, you know, you know, play that game with, with that jersey. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. He – at, he's a good piece, I think. Um, you know, their defense, I think, just needs an improvement. And, and as Michael mentioned, remember, Donovan Mitchell did get hurt early on in the season. So, you know, it, it does kind of repper the flow. Maybe 20 games later, 20, maybe 22 games later, what could we see the Utah Jazz in terms of the Western Conference standings? Do they get back up in the race? Do they maybe creep up in their division? Where do we see the Utah Jazz finishing, Michael? Uh, yeah, like I said, I mean, uh, it's very early in the year, so I believe 20, 25 games from now, they're going to get they, they're going to get it right. You know what I'm saying? The coaches are going to be uh, with the players, and the players are going to be with the coaches. The fans are going to be with the team, and the team's going to be with the fans, and they're all going to they're all going to come together. I honestly, you add Kyle over, you know, it's it's good for both ends, his end and the team's end, and then you get you know that that flowed back in, and and hopefully no injuries. You know what I'm saying? Come in together. So yes, I, I see them. I see them creeping back up. Maybe not, you know, in the top four, top six, but at least in the, you know, the conversation for the playoffs. And then as the season goes on, even after All Star break, they'll really start to pick it up. And I, me personally, I believe they'll finish in the top five. So wow, especially the way that the West looked, that's not a bold move, Mike. Any anything maybe you want to add about the Jazz? No, no, everything was perfect. It's just that the Western Conference here's a tough. It's a tough competitive. Uh, uh, conference, but I mean, I see the Jazz probably creeping up in that. I don't want to say they get everything all together because remember the NBA is a marathon, not a sprint. So, you know, maybe they get some build some chemistry, get it, lose a couple games, you know, win a couple games. You know, they creep up in that. You know, Quinn Snyder, I think, could be licking his chops right now. And I mean, you know, there the, you can already see somewhat chemistry building as well with um, Donovan Mitchell, Grayson Allen, Dante Exum, and company. So there, there's some stuff building there. So I really do like the pieces there. So. That does our top headline so far. It's pretty, pretty good. Coming up next, it's going to be a Sunday Week 12 recap with a preview of one of the first major games on Thursday night, Cowboys Saints. And then later, we're going to discuss championship weekend in college football. Who gets the dub in the Red River Rivalry rematch, the national championship rematch, and more. Stay tuned. Talk is okay, Lo. We'll be right back in a few seconds. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the Flash segment, Sunday in 60. Let's take a look back at all of Sunday's games. First off, the Colts beat the Dolphins on a late field goal, and they win their fifth straight. The Seahawks get it done against the Carolina Panthers thanks to a game-winning field goal by Sebastian Janikowski. Kirk Cousins gets it done against Aaron Rodgers, 24-17 Vikings. Chargers thrash the Cardinals. Phillip Rivers, most completion since Ryan Tannehill. Patriots take care of business in the Meadowlands with the Jets 27-13. Man, was that fun. How about the Eagles taking care of business with the Giants in a close second-half rally, 25-22. And then the Bills with the upset against the Jaguars. Better watch out, um, Jalen Ramsey. And then how about the Ravens and Lamar Jackson, 34-17, easily taking care of the Raiders. 
How about Jameis Winston and those Bucks? They pulled it out, 27-9 against the Niners. My, the Broncos fell to my Steelers. The Browns won back-to-back, as we mentioned. What a game that was. And that was your Sunday in 60. We are back on Talk is OK, Low, reliving the highlights from Sunday's amazing contest. And later on soon, Mike, Eric, and the boys are going to predict um, some games uh, for Week 13 later on. But we had to recap at least some flurry of the games that was on Sunday, as I mentioned in Sunday in 60, some big games. Um, first off, on Thanksgiving, it was a easy takedown for the Bears. Uh, Eddie Jackson with the pick six. Mike's Cowboys getting it done. Alex Smithless against the Redskins. The Saints getting their ninth straight over the Falcons. And then on Sunday, Kirk Cousins getting it done. A couple game-winning field goals, as we mentioned, with Baker and the Browns. Sadly, my Steelers, for the first time in a long time, took an L to the Broncos, who surprisingly are creeping up in there in terms of uh, playoff contention and some upsets um, across. And then to cap it all off, the Texans getting it done against the Titans on Monday night. I first want to start off with the Buffalo Bills-Jaguars game. Oh, man, how has time changed from the time we did talk as Okalo with Jalen Ramsey running off his mouth about quarterbacks. And now I think for the first time ever, he's had to eat a big, humble piece of pie talking trash about Josh Allen for Josh Allen to go beat his Jaguars and potentially now looks like out of the water. Let's discuss that game first. Uh, Michael, um, this is just, I think, the proof that Jalen Ramsey needs to just shut his mouth sometimes until game time has to be cold, is it not? I mean, you know, the proof is in the pudding. You know, he lost. So, yeah, I mean, Jalen Ramsey, he's, his personality, I mean, we can't take it for granted. You know, you want a player like that on your team. And as a fan, you want to, you admire that. You admire a player who's confident with himself and, and confident with his team. Uh, but when it's all said and done, when the chips fall to the ground, man, you, you got to back up what you say. And, and he didn't back up what he said in that game. And now I'm really forward. To, I'm really looking forward to see what he does in this game to see if he he can, you know, get back on his feet. So, yeah, really tough things. It's it's definitely a warning shot. Um, but for Josh Allen, it was a pretty good return game for him the first time in a couple weeks and suffering his injury against the Texans that he played. It was a surprising game. Everybody expected the Jaguars to at least get back off their feet, but the wind and the rain in Buffalo definitely was to their advantage. It wasn't the prettiest of game for Josh Allen. I mean, he did have um, 160 yards passing and a touchdown, but he had 13. He was the Bills leading rusher having 99 yards and scoring the touchdown. Mike, as a quarterback aficionado, yourself playing, what was your assessment on Josh Allen's performance Sunday against the Bills? Well, I think Josh Allen is entirely underrated. He's a top-class talent. I mean, not only has he had, like, the most arm strength pretty much in the NFL, maybe rivaling Patrick Holmes, but he's an athlete at the court. I mean, you can literally see him, like, uh, jumping over defenders. He's he's a big guy. He's, he's 6'5", 240, 250. Um, I, I think he's incredibly underrated. I mean, he does have accuracy issues, but that will uh, be fixed in time. So I think Josh Allen, as coming back from an injury, not playing football for a, a couple of weeks, I think he did pretty well. And uh, he stuffed it to Jalen Ramsey, so good for him. 
as I mentioned, I think still just a, a good game. I mean, his his quarterback rating was pretty good, despite his completion rating was the opposite of that. But it's still a productive game. It's just something that you need to build on. Mike, uh, you've been pondering a little bit. Your turn to say now on um, Jalen Ramsey and Josh Allen. Uh, I just think the Jaguars are struggling right now. So, you know, I believe that when the Jaguars get straight, all that Jalen Ramsey was talking about is going to, you know, back up. But it's just that it's a team. It's a team sport. So, you know, I mean, I feel like Jalen Ramsey did his job for the most part. For the most part. Yeah, he hasn't been doing his job most of the season. He's been getting burned a lot of times. So I don't know about that. Uh, Let's really quick rewind to Thanksgiving. Some good games as well. And we're going to even lead up to this uh, for Thursday night between the Cowboys and Saints. But let's talk about Amari Cooper real quick. He recently spoke prior to um, tonight's game about how he just didn't fit into the Raider system. And so far, his tenure in Dallas, he already has over close to 300 yards receiving, three touchdowns. And, you know, he had a blast on Thursday, um, Thanksgiving Day. Definitely will go down as one of the best Thanksgiving performances in NFL history. Mike, I, I last time we were on the show, I said Amari Cooper wasn't even worth a ham sandwich, let alone a first-round pick. I need to think I need to eat a ham sandwich after making myself crap like that. Uh, what has made Amari so good now with the Cowboys? What What have you seen that has elevated his game from the struggles that he had in Oakland? He just fits well in the system. And then it's also credit to the quarterback. I mean, you know, everybody want to doubt Dak Prescott is a worse quarterback, but look who he had before. He had Derek Carr, who everybody praised so much of, and he wasn't doing too much. So I think Amari Cooper, he just fits well in the system. Um, he's becoming the X factor. He's becoming the new Dez Bryant, and yeah, it's a good look for him. Eric, your wind was blown out of your sails with that comment. What's your response? I think I think Dez Bryant and Amari Cooper are two different individual players at the end of the day. Um, I mean, I think – Everything's about scheme. I mean, you see with different players, uh, they have different successes of, across teams because of different schemes. So I think that's important to take in. Um, also, I mean, John Gruden did uh, switch up the system. So you, you have to take that into account. I think Amari Cooper is will always be a good player. I mean, his route running is incredible. Uh, he has good speed. and But I don't think he'll ever be an X factor, really just like Des Bryant. I think he's a solid player, but I don't think he's, he's something like Des Bryant. And you'll see that Des Bryant's going to blow up. Uh, I'm getting ahead of myself, but with the Saints. Well, that's only if he gets healthy and the Saints want him back, Eric. Remember, he did tear his Achilles. So the matchup that we were all expecting when he got signed way back in November, it's two different completely side story now for him. Michael, what are your thoughts, though, on Amari Cooper, his performance on Thanksgiving Day, and just his overall help to the Cowboys with this playoff push? Um, I think if you add a player like Amari Cooper, whether he's you know a top five wide receiver or a top 20 wide receiver, I think ultimately he just didn't want to be in the Raiders. And the fact that he's now with them, you know, with the Cowboys, and he he wants to – he wants to make a name for himself. You know what I'm saying? He wants to play. You see it. You see it. You saw it on Thanksgiving Day. You see it now. You, you'll see it tonight. He wants to play. He wants He wants to win. And so I think at the end of the day, you know, it's all about the player's mindset. I think his mindset has completely changed now that he, he changed teams. So I think he'll make a difference. You know, I kind of agree with Eric. I don't think he'll make a, a major impact, but I think he'll make a, a, a difference to where it will ultimately help the team. So. So compared right now to the to the trades that was made um, prior to the NFL trade deadline, 
Would you say that the Cowboys have won compared to the uh, Texans getting Demarius Thomas or the Eagles getting Golden Tate? Are the Cowboys the clear-cut winner in terms of the wide receiver um, wheel and deal? Eric, you say no. Why Why haven't the Cowboys won this? I mean, I mean they gave up a first-round pick. I mean, that's that's something major. I mean, the first-round pick is – is a talent that you get once in a like once in a generation. I think they went over the top to get Amari Cooper, which they really didn't need to. Um, like Golden Tate, Demarius Thomas, they're all solid players. I'd rank Demarius Thomas above Amari Cooper, and they got less than uh, for Demarius Thomas. So I don't think I agree. I think Amari Cooper's a great player, but I don't think he's worth that much. Mike, um, I remember on the show you were saying that you didn't need the first round pick, so. Tell Eric why the Cowboys don't need it. I am in agreement, but I just want to hear for the Okaloholics out there why the Cowboys didn't need it. So you're biting your lip. Spell it out. No, nah, but it's not even that. I understand you say a first-round pick is a pick is a once-in-a-lifetime, but, I mean, if you don't really need a first-round pick, first-round picks is more for, like, quarterbacks, receivers, running backs, sometimes defense if you need it. But I don't know. This draft, I don't I don't expect nothing great coming out of this draft too you know, in the order for a first-round pick. So I think it was a good deal. I really think it was a good deal. I think you always need a first-round pick, first of all. And uh, second of all, uh, I mean, the draft class is always – there's always going to be something good in the draft class. And I, I just don't think Amari Cooper is going to live up to a first-round pick. I mean, a first-round pick is a Tom Brady, is an Aaron Rodgers, is a first-class running back, is a Khalil Mack. That's a first-round pick, not Amari Cooper. Michael, you've been real quiet on the other side. Anything you want to maybe chime in? Uh, I've been waiting for this. No. <laughs> um, okay, so I I'm, I respectfully disagree with Eric because as much as you just said that Amari Cooper is a you know a great play a good player, but he's not a great player. Uh, that doesn't that that doesn't disqualify that the first round pick might not be a great player either. You know what I'm saying? So. I, I think that's it, it doesn't matter at the end of the day. Like they did what they did. I like the mindset of the team. The team was like, I want to win now. I want to win now. I'm not worried about the future. So I think it, it doesn't matter about the first round. I mean, yes, you want a first round, but what do you, what is a first round really for? Options. They took what they had, they had their options, they opened them up, and they did what they wanted to do. And right now it's working. As 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 of right now, Amari Cooper is making a difference. And that first round pick isn't even on the team yet. So it's about the future. It's a, it's about the future, but right now they're going with the present mindset, and I like that. Look, the, the Cowboys are winning this, in my opinion, right now. But remember, the last two times they did this in their franchise history, they gave up a first round pick for uh, Roy Williams back a decade ago, and then they gave up a first round draft pick for Joey Galloway. It didn't have the same results, but then again, Amari Cooper's a really young receiver compared to the last two of them. So they really, I think, made a solid deal. I think the Cowboys are winning it just because. It's, I think it's 1A, 1B for me because Demarius Thomas with his impact so far, especially the game he had Monday night, two touchdown performance. So shout out to DT. And, you know, I, I really think John Gruden, he, you, you guys thought you ate well on Thanksgiving with the turkey. I think I might as well eating up with the biggest turkey in the NFL um, table with John Gruden because he better make those first round picks count soon. Um, concluding, though, with the rest of Sunday's game, as I mentioned, Colts, Dolphins, uh, wh why don't we get a little South Beach in there? I mean, Ryan Tannehill came back, put up a good performance, but it wasn't enough. Um, both of Mike and Eric are Dolphins fans, so they're a little bit hurting. But Ryan Tannehill's return, it didn't go as planned. But with his return back and prior to when the, he got hurt, uh, the Dolphins were streaking. They're still in the hunt for the wild card. 
can they still get there if um, even though that they fell just a little short on Sunday in Indy? Okay, so <laughs> you're speaking to a Dolphins fan that's been a fan for a long time, right? So, you know, me personally, Ryan Tannehill is just not going to get the job done. He reminds me of Matthew Stafford. You know, I mean, a very good quarterback, good arm, good player, very very athletic, but he's just not going to get the job done. He's just not going to push your team over the hump. You know what I'm saying? He's been he's 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 gotten hurt this year. You know, he hasn't been able to play consistent. Um, you know, and and you know, what I mean, like they were so close in the Colts game. You know what I mean? Like if you want a good player, you want to you want to really be a good team, you need a you need a player that's really going to push you over that. And I just don't see Ryan Tannehill doing that. I feel bad, you know what I'm saying, because he's gotten hurt, and that's not on him. But my opinion, just as a Dolphins fan, it, it doesn't matter if they're in the wild card. They need that player. They need that 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 transcendent player, and they haven't had that for years and years. So I, I just don't think they're going to go anywhere. Even if they make the playoffs, they're out in the first round. So, All right, two things. Fire the coach and get rid of the quarterback. All right, first what? first of all, the, I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you straight up, the, the coach is bad. This culture change that he wanted isn't working out, all right? What, what, what it really is is a racist change. There's been 90% more white players than black players, first of all. And, and second of all, the, the play calling that he's been doing is horrible. Screen passes, run passes. I mean, we had an opportunity to score. And he's going to go for two run, uh, run plays and one screen pass. I mean, you got to be kidding yourself. You're insane. You have to fire that coach. Second of all, Tannehill is a high class, maybe Case Keenum, Kirk Cousins, but he doesn't – he shows it that he doesn't have that fire inside of him to win. In order to win in South Beach against Tom Brady, you have to have something special, and that's not what he has. What the Dolphins need to do is just get something with sauce, get something with fire to start off South Beach and give it actually that Magic City vibe that it deserves. Whoa, 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 Eric, 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 easy, easy, easy. Hold, hold, hold. First off, first off, first off. I'm surprised first that you want to get rid of Adam Gase kick to the curb. Because last time I checked, he was making Ryan Tannehill a good, efficient passer. I've been saying this a lot on my show. You are as good as your coach. And Adam Gase is still a pretty good genius. Now, mind you, yes, the results haven't yielded the 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 potential results. I mean, you first off, you're not going to win the AFC East. That's a given. But at the same time, to at least compete the way you guys did at the start of the season, I don't think the problem was at the quarterback position on Sunday, part of the reason with the play calling. But part of the reason why they didn't do as much screen play, remember, your offensive line is weak. You don't have enough. Kenyon Drake can't even run in those lanes. He only had 32 yards a carry. Yes, he scored, but he didn't have enough running holes enough. So, I know you guys are upset right now, but, you know, they're still playing Thailand. I mean, you got the Buffalo Bills, okay? You got to go to Buffalo. Look, I'm not saying it's not an easy place to play. I mean, no, no, wait. You guys got a home game against the Bills. So you got Buffalo coming to town, okay? Buffalo Bills can go one way or another. So I think you guys just need to, to, to just relax. There's still plenty of time left in the season. Me being a Steelers fan, I don't see the Ravens getting in. You know, the Bengals are out for sure. So it, to me, um, even though the Ravens are in the hunt, I still think Indy, Miami, that's still a fight for the wild card. And then, of course, you can creep up there, the Broncos, too, uh, with their Eric. Why, why are you nodding your head? No. Tell, tell me why. I mean, you're telling me that Adam Gase has improved Ryan Tannehill's performance. All right, so what? So put him as an offensive coordinator. I don't need him as my head coach. All right? So – 
And and when you're talking about playoffs, like it doesn't matter. Like we we've been losing games that we could have won just because of play calling. Because of I mean, our defense has been spectacular, right? But our, our our offense has been lacking. I mean, we have plenty of weapons, plenty of weapons to do, and and like continually we fail and fail and fail. I mean, we we play with the system, and sometimes it works. But you need something that's going to be consistently good. You know what I'm saying? Like um, I I understand the offensive line is weak, but we tried to fix it up. Adam Gates tried his best. What we need to do is focus on the offensive line. I agree with that and the draft. But at the end of the day, I just don't see that that fire-winning team. I mean, if we would have drafted Baker Mayfield on the Dolphins, I think it would have been a completely oh! different season. Whoa! Eric, turning up the dial here. Mike, I mean, you've been quiet about this. Assess this, man, because I'm really trying to trying to play mediator here a little bit. I think y'all been a little too harsh on the quarterback, man. Forget years ago, a couple years ago, Ryan Tannehill was the face of Miami. So, I mean, I don't know, man. I, you know, in the division, you get Tom Brady's getting ready to check out in a couple years. Uh, the Bills are probably not going to be that great. The Jets, I don't see them going anywhere with Sam Darnold. So, I think Miami, give Ryan Tannehill some time. Just give him some time. Maybe you fire the coach, but give Ryan Tannehill some time. All right. Here's the thing, though. You, you say give Ryan Tannehill some time. Here's my problem. We drafted him in 2011. It is now 2018. We gave him seven years. I think seven years is a long time. All right? So, look, we're Dolphin fans, right? Dolphin fans are tired of this bull crap that they – they every year, oh, it's this year, it's this team, oh, everything's different, new coach, new atmosphere, new nothing. No, this is Miami. Miami is the magic city. And at the end of the day, you need players that want to win. Ryan Tannehill, when you go on, the, on that field – he doesn't look like he wants to win. I'm not saying that he he wants to to you know what I'm saying make a name for himself in the team, but he doesn't want that w- to win. Doesn't want to make that difference. Doesn't want to go for the Super Bowl. I don't think he even thinks about that. You know what I'm saying? So I, I just want to make something very clear to you guys. I mean Ryan Tannehill, he was out for a shoulder injury, right? For like I think what three four weeks. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's insane. Tim Tebow played with broken ribs and broken cartilage in his body for a half a season. But, but as a quarterback, you need you need your right you need your arm to be yeah, perfect. Yeah, yeah. Come on, Eric. I mean, come on, bro. Tebow has no ribs. I, I need ribs to throw too. This, this ain't 1970. This ain't Dan Pastorini wearing a flat jacket for two crap ribs. Okay. So, but look, but look. All I'm just saying this is that the way the AFC is now, I know you guys don't want to think the last wild card playoff spot, but you have to think that. That's what really matters at, at this particular important time. And remember, there are other holes than just Ryan Tannehill. And look, may I remind you guys for the past few weeks who you've had at quarterback, body odor, bootios, Brock Osweiler. So I think you guys need to chill down on on the comments that they – and even your defense. I know Eric says you have a good defense. You got a good young talent in Mika Fitzpatrick. Great safety at Alabama. Really been playing well. But last time I checked – didn't your defense give up 42 points to the Houston Texans on Thursday night football? Your defense has not been that good, and you're giving up points. You're giving up yardage on the run game. You have one of the worst run defenses in the league. So besides just the quarterback position, there's some holes you guys got to fix there if you want to compete. So, Mike, you want to interject? I agree, but this is where I will kind of agree with Eric a little bit. And, I, look, I'm an Adam Gaze fan. I really am. But – you, you say, okay, there's other holes on the team that are not not doing their job, right? Well, where does it start? It starts with the coach, right? So, I mean, now at this point, is it, it do, are the players buying into his system? 
You know what I'm saying? We, the only thing that we can tell is how they play. You know, they're very inconsistent. And when you're inconsistent, sometimes it, it's just – it doesn't look right. It doesn't look good. It looks really bad. It's like there's some games that they, they, they go with the system and they play really well. And then there's some games like Indianapolis Colts. Like it was a good game, but you got to finish that game. You were right there. You got to finish that game. You know what I'm saying? So I think it starts with the coach. So I'm not saying fire Adam Gase, but something's got to give. Something's got to give. So going going back home to play the Bills this coming Sunday, it's obviously important now that the Dolphins get their wins. They got they got to face their AFC East rivals and the Patriots very soon. How do you see this playing out? First, let's take this one game at a time against the Bills. Great momentum, dethroning the Jaguars. Do do the Dolphins come back home with Ryan Tannehill? Maybe does does Ryan Tannehill get fired up coming back into his home stadium, getting it done against the Bills, Eric? I think it depends. I mean, I, I, I've seen the Dolphins ball out. When, when Jay Culler beat the Patriots, right, all the, Dol- the Dolphins players were on fire. Like, they were angry. Like, they wanted to win that game. If they don't want to win this game against Josh Allen and the Bills, they're going to lose miserably because Josh Allen will either run on them and make them look like idiots, and Ryan Tannehill is going to, like, be an idiot, or Ryan Tannehill is going to actually rise up to the occasion like he did with the Colts, uh, I think in 2012 when he, when he threw for 435 yards. Maybe he'll have that game. If he gets angry, maybe if he hears this podcast, me calling him out, saying he's a horrible quarterback, maybe he'll play. Oh, wow. Ryan Tannehill, I hope you're listening. Mike, I'm, you're obviously neutral to this. How, how does this look out in this AFC East throwdown? I mean, you think it's the Bills, man. Josh Allen, I think he's going to be a little inconsistent because I think the Dolphins' defense is, is pretty lit. So I, I give the Dolphins a win, and I'm not going to harsh Ryan Tannehill. I think he comes back this game and actually has a professional game. Um, I mean, it's a home game, and we play a lot better at home. So, I guess time will tell. But, yeah, like you just said, um, you know, at the end of the day, we'll, we'll see what he could do. We'll see what he could do. This hasn't been the best year for him. You know, we get that. So, we'll see. We'll see what he brings to the table for the team. And uh, hopefully hopefully they do they do get this win. They need it. They, 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 they got to get this. Because if you, don't, if you don't beat the Bills, I mean, come on now. <laughs> well, I mean, you guys do have Lady Luck on your side. Because, remember, you only lost one home game this season, and that was – to the uh, Detroit Lions back when Carryon Johnson bulldozed through your run game. So you at least have lady, um, the home field crowd back. You have one of the best um, home records in the league. So there's at least a little advantage on that. To wrap up um, some Sunday games, any games that you were impressed with, any games that you, anyone wants to maybe take a final take on before we get into week 13? Uh, Mike? No, all the games is good. I was just surprised on my Cowboys, you know, getting a, getting a W on Thanksgiving. Eric, will the Packers run the table? I don't know, but I'm I'm I hope they do. You you really think Green Bay? I don't know. I, I've been saying I've been saying now they look a little lost. There's something wrong. I think with Mike, maybe the play calling with Mike McCarthy, it, their defense is not that good. So, I mean, for Aaron Rodgers to run the table, he's done it before. But I think maybe um, the little magic's running out. I think they have to fire, fire Mike for sure. Whoa. Um, yeah, Mike I, out? I, I, I think I think he's too old. I, I'm saying if, if it doesn't work, then fix it. So, I mean, I think his play calling has like deteriorated very much. It's almost like the Giants. I feel like the Packers and the Giants are looking at these, like the same team. And if, and if something doesn't happen quick, then they're going to be the same team. Ouch! Wow. Well, I agree. And, and, you know, I remember even with what you were saying, 
I remember back a few weeks when Stephen A. Smith was saying Aaron Rodgers needs to be asked for a trade because things are not working out. You know, look, they, they're not using Jimmy Graham as good. Okay, their running game is still stale as ever. So, yeah, I, I, I really am starting to really worry about this Packers team. Now, firing Mike McCarthy, you know, especially after the whole reso, I think it's risky business now, but we'll see how these final games stack up. Mike, any games, maybe Lamar Jackson's performance, um, likely going to start this week against the Falcons. Um, any Anything, any other from the Sunday contest? Um, not, well, on Thanksgiving, I was really impressed with the Bears. Um, I know they're not really doing too much this year, but um, they do it too much. They lead the NFC North. Well, you know, when I when I say that, it's like they they lead the NFC North, but like we kind of know their their history a little bit. Uh, they're we'll see we'll see how they, it plays out with them. Um, but I was surprised. I, usually the Bears, you know, what I'm saying they don't play. I mean, they've been playing well this year, so it's, it is what it is. You remember the new coaching culture change, getting Khalil Mack, Matt Nagy's making Mitchell Trubisky look something very spectacular. I'll just say this. My Steelers, I don't know what, what happened that we let the Broncos off the hook on that game, especially the Ben Roethlisberger interception and to the end zone. You run at the goal line with that time. You don't throw it. But it's okay because it's a, it's a bounce-back game. We play the Chargers. No Melvin Gordon. It's perfect. And that's how I'm going to end off week 12. So we're going to get into week 13 in just a few seconds with Cowboys Saints. So get ready to turn up the dial and turn up your volumes. Talk is okay. We'll be right back in a few seconds. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Just a little recap, a little throwback Thursday because we are on Thursday night football. It is under the lights, and it's a big-time game. What I, re what I played out for all of you football junkies out there was a little memorization to Cowboys and Saints. Whenever these two teams have got together for the past 12 years since Sean Payton has been head coach, it has been great games phenomenally. If we haven't had, for example, Cowboys Saints back in 2014, that was a great game. What we just played here, when Drew Brees had 446 yards passing, Tony Romo had 416 yards, even though it ultimately ended in a Cowboys loss and then later not getting it done against the Redskins, rubbing a little salt in the wound there for Mike. Um, you know, but, and even just, even way back when the Saints were once upon a time undefeated and were looking to go 16-0, and Dallas came in the Superdome and stomped them. Huge scenario. There's been a lot of trash talking this week from Cam Jordan to Ezekiel Elliott to Demarcus Lawrence saying the Saints O-line ain't ready for us. So 
We are ready to turn up the dial. Of course, I've been 2-0 all year long when Talk is Okay was on with Mike on Thursday Night Football. Mike had to come on because it's his Cowboys. So hopefully maybe the tides will start turning on um, takedown Thursday. So Mike, let's start off with you, Cowboys and Saints. Obviously, we already know you're going for Big D. What are we going to see tonight, or what can you tell all the Cowboys fans and the Okaloholics out there about Cowboys Saints? What are we going to see tonight in Jerry's world? I got a couple bold predictions, but only the Cowboys fans can agree with me. I mean, when you're playing in Jerry's world under the lights, Thursday night is not easy. It's not an easy sweep. Um, my bold predictions is going to be that uh, uh, – Yes, the Saints haven't seen a D-line like the Cowboys. I'm going to say Drew Brees is going to struggle. What? I'm going to say that high scoring is going to struggle. We're not going to see no high scoring. We're going to see maybe uh, 17 points on the board for the Saints. And what? I, what? I'm going to go even more bold. I'm going to say Dak Prescott those five touchdown passes. Whoa, this man! This man! Yeah, and, and the Saints defense ain't gonna see nothing like this offense at all. No. I gotta say that. This it's gonna be it's gonna be one heck of a night, man. Just a little history lesson for all you out there. Mike has predicted the wrong team getting the L with touchdowns. Week two, he predicted Joe Flacco four touchdowns. Week eight, he predicted Brock Osweiler four touchdowns, and they ain't played up. Stephen A. Smith and Shannon Sharp would be screaming at you right now, Mike. First off. No, no, hail to the gnaw, hail to the gnaw, to the gnaw that Dak Prescott doesn't get five touchdowns. How I see this playing out is, you, first off, you, you talk about the Cowboys D-line. You haven't met Mr. Mark Ingram and Mr. Alvin Kamara. First off, who are you going to put on Michael Thomas, who's a huge deep ball threat? You got to deal with the option quarterback the Saints have. Um, uh, when Sean Payton calls on him. So to me, and you got to worry about that defense. That defense has looked good over the past two weeks. So Mike, you're saying all that. Have you even met Cam Jordan, who's been a superstar on defense this past year? I say that the Saints get it done. I say Drew Brees has a four touchdown game. That's right. I said it for Mark Ingram. And Alvin Kamara, I'm going to Zeke chomp this one. They eat while Zeke, I'm going to say, gets less than 100 yards. I say he gets 72 yards tonight. I'm going to say my hot take on that because, Mike, I'm sorry to say this, but th remember, the Saints win. They're, they're already going to the play playoffs. For, for Dallas, this is crucial. This is survival of the fittest. Look, you had a history of studying the Saints before, but this one's going to be tough. It, it even depends on what you're wearing because if you wear those ugly blue uniforms, uh, those navy blue, you're not going to win. I'm sorry about that. Eric, Mike, your turn to take on Cowboys and Saints. What are we seeing tonight in Big D? Eric? Well, first of all, I hope the Cowboys can keep up with the Saints because Drew Brees is uh, on my fantasy team, and the more you run up the score, the more Brees is going to score. So. Um, I think the Cowboys are going to lose. Um, I think they're going to keep up in the beginning. Now, I, and I think I think Zeke and Dak are going to do something special, um, especially when they have Amari Cooper and stuff. There's a, it's a whole different dimension, and I think the Saints aren't completely ready or used to that yet because, again, Amari Cooper is new. So you're going to see some growth pains, I guess. Um, but at the end of the day, I think Drew Brees and his offense is too high-powered, and the Saints' defense just talks too much trash and not live up to it. Um, and – 
they're playing at home also, right? So I mean, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a loud one. So I don't I don't think the Cowboys are gonna win at all. I think the Cowboys have a chance, obviously, um, mm. but I think ultimately at the end of the day, it's going down. The Saints are winning, um, so I'm gonna be surprised. And I, I don't know if this is gonna be a, a blowout or a close game. This game is very int- very intriguing game, um, but yeah, no, I, it's it's the Saints. It, the Saints this year are for real. Um, and, I mean, they're looking to go to the Super Bowl. So uh, we'll see what the Cowboys can do, though. Like like Eric said, you know what I'm saying? Like Mike said, uh, the Cowboys have a chance in this game. We'll see what they can do. They ha- they do have special players. Uh, but ultimately, the Saints, they got too much They got too much power. And, and they're playing at home? Oh, my goodness. It's over. <laughs> well, the Saints are going on the road, Mike, just for reference there. So oh. uh, and it's okay, bro. It's oh, okay. Got it, but, yeah. <laughs> no, but it's okay. So – like so, it's three to one majority as of right now. We're locking in Saints with Mike's exception of the Cowboys. So, Mike, just tell us maybe to even sway us if you can. Me being a Steelers fan, you know I'm not likely going to be swayed. But what do the Cowboys have to do on tonight to get it done against the Saints? What are the keys in order for a Dallas victory? I think we keep running Zeke, you know, get that defense tired, and then at the end in the red zone, get to the 20-yard line, that goes a touchdown. Maybe even do a couple option passes maybe, you know. And Amari Cooper scores like three touchdowns out of the five that he throws, you know. Mm. Yeah. Slow this defense down first with Ezekiel because I don't I don't see anybody stopping Ezekiel Elliott rushing attack. So it's just not going to happen. Cameron Jordan has and Zeke has been battling a lot um, with the pregame dope during the week and Demarcus Lawrence. Who do you think is winning the battles right now? How about you, Eric? I, I know your eyes are getting big every time. This like welcome to meeting a Cowboys fan. So spill what you need to spill on Mike's comments for a Dallas victory. I mean, I understand. I'm a Miami fan. We're both really blind, you know. But um, at, I, I, I mean, look. We have two great running backs and a great quarterback and deep threats as a Saints like offense and the defense. The D line is just killer. So no matter how much you feed Zeke, he's not gonna get more. It, there's not gonna be any big runs. Let's just say he, there might be two, three yard runs like, again and again, but big runs. I don't. I don't think. I think he'll be stuffed up. And against a Thursday night football, I think they'll little, little, uh, live up to the hype. Well, remember, both teams got the much-needed rest that they needed because they played last week Thursday. So both teams are going to be fresh right out the box uh, coming out um, on this game. Outside of maybe Mike's bold prediction for Dak Prescott, Eric, who do you see maybe having a good game for the Saints? Who, who on the offensive or defensive side of the ball do you see playing out tonight? I think Kamara's been quiet. I think he's going to blow up this week. I think uh... – Let's give him three touchdowns this week. Bold prediction right there. Alvin Kamara, three touchdowns. Michael, what are you thinking? I'm kind of liking that idea. So let's let's see what he can do. I'm going to say Drew Brees throws. I, I said four touchdowns. So a little drum roll. He gets over 500 yards passing against the Dallas defense. Mike, you squint your eyes, but remember the last time they played in Big D, 446 yards passing. He had a quiet game last week against the Falcons. Yes, he did throw four TDs, but he threw 471 yards. I say this is the night that Drew Brees shows you the cannon of the arm that he has tonight. So, Saints get the dub. 
my score prediction, I'm going to say, because it will be a close game, I'm going to go 36 to 29 Saints. Michael, what are your what are your takes on the score or who has a good night? You are predicted as a good night, but um, who do you think on Saints-Cowboys? Prediction, I'm going to go Saints 31, Cowboys 21. Saints 42, Cowboys 17. Oh, oh Eric going in for the kill today. Mike, your response on the Cowboys. So you said Dak gets five TDs. How does the score look tonight? So that, that five TDs is 35, right? Uh, add an extra uh, Ezekiel Elliott running, maybe. So I'll say 42, 42 to 7 probably. What? 42 to 7? This is the Saints. This is the first place team in the NFC Hello, your defense is not the Chicago Bears. Your defense is not is not the Jaguars. Then again, you did beat them forty to seven. So what? So what am I saying? But your defense, that defense, yeah, you are not facing. Your defense isn't the Chicago Bears. Cowboys fans, people, this is what Stephen A. Smith and Shannon Sharp hate. Cowboys fans, that's what you're gonna get. So. You got our Thursday night predictions. We'll discuss a little more uh, with game picks later on. But how about coming up next, we'll get to some big-time game picks. College Championship Saturday. Three big games go down during Championship Weekend. And then, of course, some side games to make up. But we're going to dial down on the big hunk games that go on from the SEC to the Pac-12. Stay tuned. Tarka Zokela will be right back. And now... It is time for the favorite segment on this show, What the What. What the what? 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 Yes, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. What the what? Your favorite segment on the show. It's a round table for this one, so Mike... The two mics, shake your hands. Eric, uh, take a bow. Let's enjoy. Get your popcorn ready. We're going to enjoy some funny sports bloopers throughout the week. Jaguars Bills, let's go. Blake Bortles goes back to pass. Looking for his man. Trying to DJ Yeldon. Pass incomplete. Ball juggling. Juggling around. Now look at this here. The hey, Bills players hey, are dancing hey, while the ref called hey, the penalty. Hey, a flag on the play. I think that's Tredavious White, the Bills corner. Doing the little shimmy shimmy one, two. I don't know what move was that. That ain't going viral. But what the what? Am I right, guys? <laughs> something pretty funny that will make you scream. How about here, Texas A&M? LSU. Kellen Munn fumbles the football, gets hit as he throws, ball up in the air, pass intercepted. LSU looking to take it. This man takes a <laughs> knee, and look at Ed Ogeron. They're already celebrating in the first half, at the end of the first half. They think they won this game after a pick six. Kellen Munn drops it, but now they get a call reverse because of the interception. So that celebration was already nipped off, and Ed Ogeron is cold, dripping wet, and he just gets sweatier and sweatier and sweatier. I mean, it eventually dries back as the game progresses, but to think seven overtimes this game finished. So, Ed, you probably should have waited till the end of the game before you celebrated, before you got beat in likely the greatest football game ever. Eric, Michael, Mike's 
Tell tell me about that. That's that's something that's ridiculous, that's isn't it? That's insane. Horrible. You that's this is why premature celebration. You don't do it because then Jimbo Fisher, you walk off. Yeah. Uh, wait, 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 wait. You're saying premature celebration is bad, right? Yeah. So then. Maybe Mike should take that advice with the Cowboys. Oh! <laughs> what the what? What the what indeed? Ed Ogeron, wow. you should have learned your lesson. Mike might learn his too tonight. Wow. How about Cardinals Chargers right here? Josh Rosen goes back to pass. Looking, 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 trying to find a man. Penalty flag comes out. It hit him as he was trying to look. And look at Josh Rosen, he's like, are you kidding me, ref? He throws it right while you're pump faking. Can't get enough time, you gotta avoid Joey Bosa anyway because he's gonna eat you like a nice bag of Kentucky Fried Chicken because that ain't good. Ref, what the what are you doing disrupting Josh Rosen? And then how about here, Hugh Jackson, as we mentioned at the top of the show. Bengals return, Andy Dalton goes back to pass. Throws it, pass intercepted, goes out of bounds. Demarius Randall, oh my goodness, what is this? Demarius gives the ball to his ex-head coach. And you know what he does? He throws it down. He's like, nah, nah, I didn't want that. Nah. And then he's got a shake over the hand side. Uh, okay, there's the Baker Mayfield pat on the head. And then he's just looking at him like, uh, okay. We mentioned this, guys, at the top of the show. But, I mean, Hugh Jackson, it's like, it's what the what, am I right? Just you give him a pat on the head, and then that—that's something that makes you go, "What the, the what, what indeed?" And then last but not least, this was actually last night. Um, this was an NHL game, right? Tyler Sagan was warming up between the Jets and the and the Dallas Stars, right? So as Tyler Sagan was warming up, right? Believe it or not, he was just doing a little something fun for the fans. And I'm pulling it up right now. It's really sad to see this happen. As he was getting ready, getting ready, getting for his game, he bumps into the boards and he spilled a fan's beer. Tyler Sagan, you need to give that lady a puck. <laughs> what the what are you doing? You don't, I, I think Tyler Sagan owes not only a puck to her, but also uh, a brand new beer. You know how much, you know how much beer costs yeah. at, at, a game? At, a, at, a at a game? At a game is a lot. At a game? Yeah. That's why you always pregame before you go my, to games. My favorite part is he's just laughing. He's like, yeah. yeah. He's like, you know, he's, he's thinking like, you can't even do anything. There's, there's a glass right here. So. Right, and Tyler's just shooting pucks, looking back, <laughs> so saying, that's it. Is a what the what indeed? Funny bloopers to to discuss back See, after all. Of course, it's a Dallas Star player. Dallas. Oh, uh, another Dallas thing for De Mike. I, the, the Cowboys and Stars are different, but anything with the D and the Star is anything that will make you go what the what indeed. And that does our segment. We're going back on now to talk a little college championship weekend. Cap it away. What? Back on talk is okay, Lo, um, Michael and uh, Eric had to just step away just for a little bit. Um, of course, Eric, uh, done for the rest of the show, um, had some things to take care of, but it's okay because I still got Mike because now it's time for the big deal, big meal type thing, championship Saturday. The regular season of college football is over. We've already seen the college football playoff poll, so it's now come down to the nitty gritty. If you don't know, Alabama won, Clemson two. Notre Dame three, Georgia Bulldogs number four, and of course, Oklahoma and Ohio State at the bidding. We saw some other teams. Um, bowl game selection will be Sunday, but after all, 
Um, this is this is what you play for, Mike. This is all on the line. Uh, win or go home. Title games for your conference. So even if you aren't in the playoff, you do get some huge supremacy in. And there are some big games going on right now. Four of the biggest. Actually, six conference games. All for one prize. The, their conference title and a legit berth in a New Year's Six Bowl or the college football playoff. We have been talking prior to the show about the big one. Texas-Oklahoma, the Red River rivalry rematch. Kyler Murray's redemption chance to try to get Boomer Sooner back in the playoff and avenge Baker Mayfield from last year's disappointing loss in the Rose Bowl. Let's talk about that game first. As we all know, Texas pulled it off, and it was the incline for this game. The Golden Hat isn't on the line. The Big 12 title is on the line. For Texas, they're not going to get into the playoff. I think they, they more or less make noise next year. But... If they want to make a New Year's Six Bowl and make more headway, this is the game you have to win. For Oklahoma, this is the game that's on the line for them because it's likely, unless um, Georgia loses, which is absolutely the frick not, uh, Oklahoma, or, or either way between Georgia and Alabama, we'll get to the main event matchup later. Um, there's been a lot of trash talk this week. Recently, um, on Texas freeways, there has been saying hook and horns. Mike, this is one of the top three rivalries in college football. How do we see this going down in Jerry's world after your Thursday night game? I think this game is is too big right now, to be honest with you, for these young players. Um, if, if I'm going to go with anybody, I'm going to go with Texas. But, but I will say this. I will say Murray will have an excellent game. He did the last time, and 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 I think it'll be it'll be a close one. I'm gonna say a close a close heated game. A close. This may be the only game to uh, Saturday that might have a couple of fights, a couple of schisms, a couple of lead changes, a couple of going out. But I believe, and it might even go over overtime. I'm gonna say, mm. I'm gonna say two overtimes. But Texas is gonna have to get the win. Though. I'm sorry. Look, Mike, I'm happy for you. My dad already knows I I bleed orange and white anyway. It's going to be a competitive game. Kyler Murray, I think, is going to put up a good game. But I think that this is the game, I, I think, because you even said it prior to the show, the, the win in the Cotton Bowl earlier this year now, it doesn't matter. It matters this game. And if Texas wants to make headway for the future of their recruiting class, in addition to, to maybe getting a New Year's Six berth, this is it. This You get one chance in front of your home state Corral for Tom Herman to ascend. I'm going Texas as well. Um, score predictions. What do you said? Overtime game. How do we see this finishing out? Mm. I, I did say it wasn't going to be too high of a scoring because I think it'd be you know battling out a couple of these scores. Maybe a 28. Maybe no field goal. I like field goals. Uh -huh. 24 to 28. Whoa! That you you said it was high scoring. That's way too low. For, for the decibel that was their first meeting, I'm going to say Texas, as we put in the consensus, 51 to 48. Hook them, horns, get it done. Oklahoma fans, come at me. But I think Kyler Murray and company, they ain't ready for Texas round two. How about tomorrow, the first of the um, conference showdowns, Washington, Utah for the Pac-12. I predicted that this is 
the way that the Huskies would be when I did my episode back in August with Jack. I thought this would be the year that they maybe creep up in the college football playoff standings, and it didn't happen because of some big-time losses during the year, but they made it up, still being the number 11th team in the country facing the Utah Utes. Santa Clara, Levi Stadium. How do we see this ending out uh, for the Huskies in the Jake Browning era? I think this is Washington time to get it done. Um, I, I'm not a big fan of Utah, to be honest with you, so I'm, I'm not going to say they're going to lose badly, but I, I think Washington, is it's this time to get it done. To show everybody that Washington is not a joke. Pac-12 football, you're always going to get a good game. I see Washington taking it as well. I think a good send-off for Jake Browning, get them into a New Year's Six Bowl, and, uh, you know, win another Pac-12 title. Now, you know, unfortunately, it, it's, it won't be – it will be memorable for the fact that it rose Washington football up because, after all, during the year with Jake Browning, Chris Peterson, remember, they did go to the uh, football playoff semifinal against Alabama. Then they went to the Fiesta Bowl last year. Um, unfortunately getting met by Saquon and Penn State. But, you know, I still think Utah, uh, Washington, Utah. So a score prediction, what can we see? Pac-12 football is always exciting. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, I want to light up the scoreboard a little bit. Um, light that thing up. Yeah, uh, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. 42 to 42 to 45 probably. Washington, okay. I, I was going to go moderate. I was going to say a uh, 34 a 28 game. Remember, these two teams played at Rice Eccles Stadium earlier in the year. Washington get it done. I see the momentum sticking out. Okay, let, let's talk about an underrated team that's undefeated for a second straight year, but it's not getting their due. The UCF Knights, unfortunately, don't have their quarterback, Mackenzie Milton, due to a gruesome leg injury. Mackenzie, of course, uh, our thoughts and prayers are with you through your recovery. So UCF is down with their quarterback. They had a tight matchup earlier in the season against Memphis. In Memphis, in rainy, it was 31-30. The Knights eked out their win. Can Memphis pull off the upset and the undefeated streak and pull out UCF from going to another New Year's Six? Or do you think the Knights keep their undefeated streak going? I want to say the Knights is going to keep their uh, keep their streak going because uh, and, and, and uh, no 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 bad credit to Memphis. I mean that last game you said it was raining too, so they had all the odds against them. The only thing I need for UCF is their quarterback to just put on the show. Right, like I said, you have no McKenzie Milton. You know, as I mentioned, so this is this is a, a big game, and you know, um, their their new quarterback Mac now, um, you know. It'll be it'll be really interesting. They don't know him that well. You know, I know Josh Heupel has been really taking this offense to new heights. They got a good defense. So I'm looking forward uh, to seeing it. I think still it's going to be a tight score. Memphis is no joke. Now, mind you, I've watched a little eight, um, All-American Conference ball. Um, I think that they the, the Memphis can put on a good show. But, you know, Knights fans, Jack, Gunner, shout out to you guys. You already know that I'm rooting for you guys. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm behind black and gold all the way. Um, I think the two sleeper games, uh, maybe not so much this one at 745, but Clemson-Pittsburgh, I think it's a safe assumption that in, in Charlotte, I mean, congrats to Pitt and Pat Narduzzi, but they're not ranked, and Clemson's just a far superior team than, than Pitt. So um, what can we expect score-wise? I mean, let, well, let's not count out Pitt because they've been known to pull off the upsets before, but it's likely not going to do anything to change Clemson's standing. So, but, but I think we're, we're still going to pit the, the Tigers and Trevor Lawrence. 
Uh, even though I kind of, I've been doing this for all year for Clemson. I, I just don't think they deserve the number two spot. But, but, uh, easy game again um, for them. Uh, I'm gonna say maybe forty-five to seventeen. It's not gonna even be a challenge for them. Like Miami last year, they eat them up thirty-eight seventeen. Uh, Ohio State Northwestern. I think this is for Ohio State for them to get into the playoffs. It's how bad they take care of business. Now Northwestern's been looking pretty good, but. Um, this is their first time ever in the Big um, Ten championship game, uh, but I think Ohio State they win. I think their their um, back to back um, Big Ten Big Big Ten title, don't they, Mike? Uh, definitely, and I'm rooting for Ohio State. They got to get their name back on the boards. Um, I'm gonna say a 42 to 17, just because Ohio State needs to do this. Mm, yeah, I, I can attest to that, too. I, I think it's going to be 45-21. Ohio State gets it done. How about an underrated game? I mean, they're both ranked teams, right? Boise State, Fresno State, this one for the MAC Conference. Uh, the Broncos, they always put on a good show, Fresno State. But, you know, these two teams, they can put on an air raid show when they're ready. It's, it's I think, still, if you want to switch away from, from any college b-ball games going on or anything, this is the game to watch. Mike, this is going to be in Boise, Idaho with that blue turf. How do we see this playing out between the Fresno State Bulldogs and the Broncos of Boise State? I'm kind of a big fan of Boise State. I'm going to go, I'm gonna have to give them a win, a, a tight one, just because they're both ranked too. Um, I'm going maybe like 24 to 17 probably. Nah, come on. Why you got to do that to the MAC conference? I know I'm going to go that it's a 35-38 uh, game. I, I give it to Boise State as well. You know, they're still a premier team in the MAC, and, you know, they always still give good to college football. So, um, you know, I think we're in a consensus there with the majority of our picks. But now this is where the dial turns up and the tomahawk shot comes in. Let's set the mood as a narrator. January of 2018, second down and twenty six. Tua Tavailola goes back to pass, launches a bomb, finds busted coverage in the end zone, touchdown. Alabama wins the national championship in front of Georgia, in front of the Georgia State fans. 12, 11 months later, the rematch, this time for the SEC championship game. The winner goes on to the college football playoff, likely becomes the number one team in the country. Likely. The loser is either banished to a New Year's Six Bowl game and goes home. There's so much on the line, and the setting could not be even greater where the national championship was 11 months ago. Tua to Viola this time. Jake Fromm, Kirby Smart defense, Nick Saban defense. Real close game, the last one. If For Georgia, this is to prove that their number one recruiting class helped them all the way. For Alabama... It's just taking care of business for the national championship. Mike, you already know that I'm bleeding red and black, UGA, we ballin'. And I know that this is the revenge game of revenge games that will help Georgia because I will say this, and I don't mean to be bluntly, but if we do not win this game, we need to move our institution. We can no longer represent ourselves in the state of Georgia. Georgia Tech, even though we run this state, they have it for right now. Because this is this is this is this is what we've all been waiting for. December first, we we you know yes we had a few hiccup scares there the LSU game. This this is the time that we make our mark. 
Georgia gets it done, in my opinion. Turn up the dial. Why do you say Alabama wins? And why don't you think Georgia will get it done? Well, I don't mean to throw any hate on the Bulldogs, man. Very good school. Very good combination. Very good, well-mannered team and everything. Uh, Kirby Smart is a great coach. I, I, I love that coach. Um, I just don't think Georgia has the uh, potential to win the big ones. Uh, we say that LSU probably wasn't a big game, but when it comes to SEC clash, clash, head to head to head, if you can't win the big ones, don't even look at Alabama because Alabama is just going to humiliate you. We look at what Alabama has done for the couple of games. The first uh, first half has probably been a little battle, and then they come back during halftime. It's like fifty two to something, and I just think that's what's going to. Ha- I have that feeling that this is what's going to happen in this game because Georgia cannot win the big one. I just don't think with all the upgrades they got, it's it's just not. It's too much for them. The stage is too high. And then them being ranked at number four, knowing that if they win this game, it's a trip to the playoffs. I, they just can't get the mark. I'm sorry. Mike, this is the games that Georgia fans live for. We have not won a national championship in 38 years since glory old Herschel Walker graced our campus. As I mentioned, you say Georgia can't win the big games. Well, tell me when there's a little one, as John Madden would say, because we've won a lot of big games. Last year, we beat Auburn to win uh, the SEC championship. We beat Florida this year. Always a big rivalry game. And they were ranked in the top 13, top 15. We beat Kentucky with our division on the line. Okay? We have played, we beat Auburn in Georgia. And you're saying we can't win the big games. These are the big games. And I think for Kirby Smart, for this program, this is as big of a game as gets before the big game. This is a must. They will do it. They get it. And I'll even tell you this, just in case Jake Fromm starts to struggle, which I'm afraid that he might, even though he has experience because it's a copy defense from Alabama. You put in our number one recruiting class quarterback, Justin Fields, and you put him in and do what Tua did to us last year. And I'll say this, Georgia, if you don't have the lead at the start, don't worry about it. Remember, remember, it was 20 to 6, and we were sitting on our ass heavily, enjoying that game. And you know what happened? The curse of the Super Bowl from the Falcons came to us. So, Georgia, I'm saying this. Don't worry if we don't have the lead right now. Put in at least some good points, and let's get that momentum fourth quarter time. If Jake Fromm struggles, Justin Fields will be ready. You already know I'm bleeding black and red. Georgia, UGA, we balling to the national championship. So, Mike... To end off our college predictions, how do you see the score playing out between Alabama and Georgia? You know, I was gonna joke around and throw a, a, a fifty-two to ten score. I was, I was just gonna I'll joke around. You. You know, I dare you. I was gonna joke around, but I forgot this is the SEC. You know, the, the SEC is the best conference. Yeah, Thank you. Yeah, yeah, and 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 every time the SEC turns to have a Alabama, Georgia, Georgia, LSU, Georgia, Auburn, it's always been a close. Battle lot game, so I'm I'm gonna say uh, a good 
It's going to be a defensive fight. Yeah. So we're going to say the score is going to be. I feel. I love field goals, man. It was the last game. I love field goals for some reason. I love field goals. Um, twenty-seven. Let's go. Let's go. Thirty-four to twenty-seven, Alabama. What? Yeah. yeah. What? Wow. Yeah, like I mean, shoot. I was gonna go moderate and say sixteen to ten Georgia because I, I look. I know it's it's tempering expectations. I'm tempering expectations, but remember, this is a gritty dogfight. This is the same defense that you faced in practice, both sides of the ball. Last year, it was a slow pace at the start of the title game. Okay, so I really do expect. I, I think it's gonna be. Who gets the edge first and who's going to finish last? Because it's going to be, I think, one play, one mistake, one throw that will turn the tide for either side uh, in order to win this game. As I mentioned, Georgia gets it done in the playoffs. But before we go, um, let's at least look, though, at the college football playoff ranking um, when they um, uploaded it. Um, on Tuesday with the recent standings, at least. We already now have our uh, playoff prediction. So, Mike, though we already mentioned the top six, uh, let's look at the top seven below and tell me if you have any comments for anything for the remainder of the top 25 poll. Michigan was ranked number seven. UCF was eight. Florida, nine. LSU, 10. As we mentioned, number 11, Washington. Penn State was the 12th best team. Washington State, 13. Texas was number 14. Kentucky, 15, West Virginia, 16, Utah, 17, 18, Mississippi State, 19 was AM, 20 was Syracuse, 21, Northwestern, um, Boise State, 22, and then Iowa State, 23, Missouri, 24, and then Fresno State. So make your assumption out of the, uh, out of the remainder of the top 25, uh, at least for prior, before the bowl games get chosen on Sunday. Is is this going to be set in stone? Do you think this is a wrong ranking? Make 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 up. What do you think? In a, in a few spots, this is the wrong ranking. Um, uh, I want to talk about the SEC a little bit. The Kentucky and LSU spots. All right, LSU. Okay, that that's that's not a good look for them to be number ten. Yeah. Um. Why why can't Kentucky have that spot? It's the same. It's the same. Exactly. But look at the competition LSU played. They beat LSU, Miami, and my Bulldogs when they were the top five teams ranked in the country. Of course they deserve it. Um, I think, though, that you should at least put Washington State at least over them. I think you put Washington in front of them because of their win against in the Apple Cup. Um, you know, I think, you know, because, you know, it was a high-scoring game um, between A&M I think AM should have been ranked higher, um, honestly. And I think higher than West Virginia, who got number 16. Um, I say Syracuse is right where they are, Northwestern. The, the list looks pretty good to me, with the exception of just the LSU for Washington. And for Michigan fans, call me crazy, but the way that you lost to Ohio State, and I know Mike was licking his chops probably when he heard when I predicted Michigan because it was Shea Patterson. Nah, Jim Harbaugh. I think has you you talked about Jim Harbaugh disappointing um, everybody, and it's safe to say that he 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 keeps breaking my heart. He keeps Jim. Why you do this to me every time? 
And for Michigan fans, I'm sorry, but you don't deserve to be the seventh-ranked team in the country. That should be UCF, at least. Because, like I said, they deserve the number seven spot. I remember on Instagram saying that they deserve to be number seven. Leapt over Washington State in the past uh, poll-up day. But I think other than that, it's pretty solid. Maybe, you know, put bump Michigan down to number 10, I want to say, to be to be very blunt. Um, you know, and, you know, have Florida up there at number eight. I just think, yes, because of the way Michigan has dominated. You know, I mean, Michigan does have that better record. But at the same time, the way that you lose sometimes, the writers get, get into that psyche. And I felt, you know, I feel the only reason why UCF may not be ranked this high is because, you know, losing McKenzie Milton. Mm-hmm. Had McKenzie not get hurt, maybe this is – it's set in stone for UCF. Um, I think Penn State was ranked a little too high. I think maybe you give that to Texas. Um, but otherwise than that, you know, I hope for it. But uh, real quick, though, in terms of the bowl games, other than just the college football playoff, um, which teams are you hoping play in specific bowl games? Because, you know, obviously you and me know the Orange Bowl is a college football semi – Final game, it's likely going to be Clemson-Notre Dame. But for any other bowl games, um, you know, like the Fiesta Bowl, the Rose Bowl, um, are there any bowl games particularly you're looking forward to and maybe hoping a certain team that you see gets to that bowl game? Yeah, uh, Most definitely I want Ohio State to get into a bowl game. Um, well, I mean, they're going to a New Year's Six, but uh, only uh, maybe a, a the playoff, depending on the Georgia outcome. And remember, it comes down to even the strength with Oklahoma and Ohio State. Because remember, that's the big argument right now. And remember, the Big Ten hasn't been in the playoffs since twenty six since um since uh, two thousand seventeen last year, and Ohio State hasn't been back since twenty sixteen. So, it, it, just saying, if Ohio State doesn't get them, would you like to see them in the Rose Bowl? Would you like them to to see them in the Fiesta Bowl? Uh, would you like to see them in the Peach Bowl? What bowl game would you like to see them in? That, that Ohio State and the Rose Bowl, because I I honor the Rose Bowl higher than all other bowl games. I'm sorry, the Rose Bowl is a beautiful game. No, trust so me, it, it is. It, it, it would be very nice to see Ohio State in that in Rose Bowl. We got the last two, if not greatest, games in football um, in terms of Rose Bowl history. The last two years, Penn State and USC with Sammy D and Saquon. And then, of course, in my opinion, one of the greatest football games ever, Georgia, Oklahoma. So Ohio State, I'm going to say I want to see UCF in the Sugar Bowl. Uh, I don't want to see them in the Peach Bowl. I think, you know, if they want to make headway for the future of next year's uh, bowl games, play in one of the big games. Because I think the Peach Bowl does get a little bit of respect, but I don't think it's up there in the upper echelons compared to the Sugar, the Cotton, the Fiesta Bowl, the Orange Bowl. So I want UCF to play, I think, potentially uh, come bowl selection Sunday. I wouldn't be surprised if we see maybe if Oklahoma doesn't win or Texas wins. I want to say Texas UCF or maybe UCF UF. A little Sunshine State battle in the Sugar Bowl. I would love to see that, you know. And then I think in terms of the um, Rose Bowl, we could see maybe Washington, Ohio State. Potentially, I think that could be an interesting game to see. And the Fiesta Bowl, I could even see maybe Michigan LSU for that one. So I think that could be some good headway there. But that's just a little outlook. We'll dive back more into bowl selection Sunday. Let us know who you think will win um, the rest of the games on Sunday. Coming up next, sideline to sideline with a few other notes. And then we will wrap up with some NFL game picks for week 13. And in addition, 
talk a little college basketball. Talk is okay, Lo. We'll be right back. All right, okay, Loholics. I know you're stunned that this is the end part after me and Mike talk championship prediction, but I'm just breaking away because the heat is going to be turned up more. Enjoy part two. Let me know what you guys think of this episode. And don't worry, folks. When you listen to part two, the dial is just turned up even heavier. Enjoy the rest of this. Just had to break it down due to time constraints. Enjoy. <laughs>